Hello and welcome to Calgary's podcast with Mario Taniguzzi on Canada's Podcast Network. Joining me today is Daniel Plenzik and Jacques Tremblay, who are the founders and owners of Bridgeland Distillery in Calgary. Thanks for joining us today, uh, guys. Yeah, thanks, Mario. Thank you. Okay, first of all, i got to ask, I see a big uh, thing in the background behind you. What is that? <laughs> uh, it's a uh, beautiful uh, traditional pot still. Uh, we, uh, both Jacques and I, went down to Kentucky uh, to kind of see some of the larger uh, uh, manufacturers of beautiful stills for making whiskeys and bourbons, you know, brandies, grappa, uh, of course. Uh, so we went down to Kentucky, and uh, Louisville is where she comes from. And like we named all our vessels here at the distillery after different bridges, but well, we named her uh, Louise Bridge, so it's Louise behind us uh, from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, and, and uh, just out of curiosity, how much did that baby cost? Oh, uh, well, it's, it's like a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll leave it at that. It's the best of the best. <laughs> okay. well, first of all, guys, tell me just a little bit about uh, Bridgeland uh, Distillery, uh, when you guys started it, and um, uh, what what you guys do. Yeah, so we started here in Bridgeland in, back in uh, 2018. We started constructions at this building. Uh, we got six months uh, into constructions, and then we were ready to start production. We opened to the public in August 2019, so it's been a year and a half now uh, under our belt and with uh, and receiving guests and, uh, and customers. Okay, super. Uh, and so obviously there is a, a seating area there uh, when COVID uh, restrictions are fine, uh, um, and uh, and um, so and you have the distillery together, right? Just as for our folks that are maybe not here from Calgary that don't know, right? Okay, super. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your backgrounds uh, and, uh, you know, what were you doing prior uh, uh, to starting this business? Uh, Daniel, start with you. Yeah, I mean, both Jacques and I were engineers first. Uh, uh, actually, Jacques and I didn't know each other until we met at a distilling uh, course in the Okanagan in 2016. But before that, I guess I was born in Bridgeland. My parents immigrated from Italy. Uh, I was born here, went to school here, different schools here in uh, Bridgeland, Brentford, and eventually out in uh, St. Francis. Went to University of Calgary, got my electrical engineering. Uh, Jacques got his uh, geomatics. Uh, eventually, I worked in the oil and gas industry for about uh, 20 years, and I guess Jacques was in uh, critical services 911. Yeah, I was in public safety 911 software side. Uh, so quite different. So when we met, we kind of compared notes and uh, the desire to start the business in, uh, in a totally different field. Yeah, I, I mean, my entire life, like Jacques, like we were we were brewing. I was I was doing different wines. Jacques was doing different beer. Uh, you know, every once in a while, you tried your hand at distilling that wine into brandy. Uh, a lot of Italians with me were doing, you know taking those grape skins and spilling it to grappa. And over time, that passion, we had a passion for it, and we decided, well, we wanted to take that passion and make it a second career. Okay, super. Let me uh, uh, just ask you guys, like you recently, you uh, 
you receive some awards, uh, right, for some of your uh, uh, spirits. Uh, uh, can you tell me what those awards were? And uh, and then maybe we'll uh, even yeah, take uh, uh, some of those winners. I guess a few of them here that we won in the Alberta Beverage Awards, uh, judges selection. Uh, just most recently, just about a week and a half ago, uh, the four bottles we have in front of us here uh, just won medals at the uh, Canadian Artisan Spirits Competition. Uh, it's for all Canadian uh, art, uh, craft distillers. Uh, they submit their bottles uh, for tasting. And yeah, we won three golds and a silver uh, just about a week and a half ago. Okay, let's try. Uh, let's try one. Let's. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What, uh, you think? You know what? Let's, right. let's start with the bada bing. Bada bing. Bada bing because it's actually it's a. Okay, I've got, I've got uh, my little. I got my little sample here. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> <laughs> so this is an unaged Moscato brandy. Uh, so unaged meaning it has absolutely no color. It's a perfectly clear spirit. That's how it comes off the still. Uh, it's perfectly clear. Uh, we used for this product 100% uh, uh, Moscato grapes or Muscat. Okay. The grapes come from on this product uh, from uh, California. We uh, received the grapes through uh, Start Bonus, Italian store here. And uh, yeah, it's our first sip. Okay, thank you. It's a very refreshing product. It is. Uh, I get a lot of like, pears, white peaches, like really the valley on the, on the aroma. This product uh, won a gold medal in the ODB category. So where'd, uh, where do you get your names from for your spirits? Our names? Uh, I mean, it's funny. We, we tend to like to make spirits that we can't uh, actually call after their standard names. For example, uh, we make uh, a scotch, but we can't call it scotch because scotch can only be made in Scotland. Uh, we make a garappa. We cannot call it garappa because it's got to be made in Italy or in a uh, small town, Ticino in Switzerland. Uh, bourbon is another one. Uh, we can't actually call it bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, because that's again a protected name in the U.S. Uh, so our bourbon is actually named uh, B-E-R-B-O-N after the coordinates derived from, which is from Tigger. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you in general, uh, you know, there's, I guess in the last few years, there's been quite a, a, a movement, a, a popularity movement towards uh, distilleries, towards uh, craft beer places. Uh, uh, why do you think that's happening uh, in the world? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's part of that, uh, uh, local and slow food movement where everyone wants to get back to uh, uh, what, what everything uh, should be tasting like. So this uh, craft movement, it's like you said, it's really snowballing in popularity. And it's, uh, it illustrates that everyone, and when I say everyone, everyone in their particular location can produce something unique and something that is flavorful and tastes uh, different from the next province or the next city over. Like yeah. for instance, we're using grains for whiskeys that are just uh, being grown within a hundred miles of the distillery. We take our wheat and, uh, and barley and all just south of Red Deer and our uh, corn and paper. 
So for us, it's important that uh, the ingredients are local. Yeah. Uh, just like on the wine side, yeah, we have grapes from California, but we also have grapes from the Okanagan Valley. So it's, it's important for us. Yeah, it's uh, that movement, that local movement is is unbelievable. Uh, you know, these days, uh, you know, you're seeing it more and more in, in different areas. Um, what about uh, you know the just the the whiskey side of things? Uh, there seems to be uh, uh, I don't know if you want to use the word rebirth, but in some ways there there seems to be a rebirth in in whiskeys and cocktails and, and stuff like that. Why do you think that's happening? Yeah, so both in, in, what's interesting with the whiskey world is both in Scotland with their Scotch whiskey and single malt uh, flavor, and in, in Kentucky and in the U.S. in general with the bourbon, yeah. there's been a rebirth in the last 20 years, in the last 15 years on, on that. Uh, why is that rebirth? I think uh, what happened in the 80s, like everyone was about, uh, wanted a light flavor. That's why gin and vodka were all of a sudden very popular. But after that, people start looking for more flavor. And yeah. they realize that scotch and bourbon packs a bunch of flavor. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, time for the second tasting. Which one are we going to try? Yeah, we'll try uh, what we call our Garoppolo de Gewürztraminer, our Eau de Vie. So Eau de Vie usually is water of life. Uh, we went Eau de Vie, which is water from the vine. Okay. Again, you can't call it uh, grappa. That's why the uh, <laughs> hey, 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 Daniel, being a yes. uh, okay, as I pour my <laughs> Daniel, being Italian, um, you know, uh, maybe a lot of people out there that are are not as fortunate. Sorry, Jacques. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> being Italian, um, can tell you tell people and explain to people what grappa is. Yeah. So. If you distill different beers, you make whiskey. If you distill different wines, you make brandy. If you take the grape skins that we actually, what we do is we ferment them separately because typically we're using white varietals, in this case, a different strainer. We take those skins after they've been pressed uh, and we, there's still residual sugar, so we ferment them separately. Yeah. And we distill those entire skins in the still. We actually take those whole skins, put it into the piece here, and distill the alcohol off of it. Uh, we get very little product because there's very little alcohol to begin with in those uh, skins. Yeah. Uh, it takes us about, uh, during the season, six to eight weeks to do our distillations of just the skins alone. It's a short period. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And normally you'll see Grappa to have like an uh, unaged uh, uh, style, similar to our butter vinegar. But this one in particular, what we did is we aged it in French limousine old barrels. Uh, these barrels were made in Italy, uh, 20 minutes from my family's farm in Italy. So to me, it's, it's local. So okay, cheers. gentlemen, enjoy. Now the aromas alone on this are a lot of lychee fruit. I get a lot of lychee fruit on the, uh, the nose. Okay, a cocktail that uses this in a cocktail with lychee fruit. Okay, got got to ask you, <laughs> how does your how does your uh, and not to mention any names, of course, but how does uh, what you produce there compare to some of the old Italians? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I think even compared to the stuff I used to make in the grab as well, right? Like, it's way better, of course. Uh, um, I mean, I've had the best and the worst grappa in it. Uh, 
some of the worst I've had in some very small restaurants and, uh, where they were making their own. And some of the best I've had are some beautiful distilleries in Italy. One was uh, Berta. And uh, we, we took kind of some inspiration from them with their aged grappas, hence why we're aging our grappa as well. Most grappa is not aged, but it, we're, uh, we're finding most people would prefer to drink it this time. And that's why we're doing it. Okay, maybe uh, maybe Jacques, you can answer this question. Uh, tell me a little bit about the business model uh, in terms of uh, where you sell the product to. Yeah, so initially all the product were sold out of our tasting room because we're allowed to sell by the bottles here in, in Calgary and in, in Alberta uh, from the distillery. Uh, but quickly we realized that uh, to be successful, we need to be in liquor store. Now, uh, to be a liquor store across Canada, each pro provincial body regulates the, sell the selling of alcohol. So right now we're limited to Alberta because we haven't uh, gone into the procedure, the, the process to register in other provinces. So we're in uh, mainly Calgary uh, and starting to be in Edmonton, but we're probably in uh, a 45 liquor store across the province right now. Okay, and you guys also, um, you also customize, uh, for a lack of a better word, uh, uh, different product for different uh, um, uh, businesses, right? Like yes. you've, done, you've done special, uh, special uh, whiskeys uh, for certain companies, right? Yeah, so a good example is this Amaro. We did it with, uh, in collaboration with Spongo who's a daily, uh, famous daily here in town in Calgary. And they, they approached us uh, last fall in, in 2019, and they wanted to have uh, uh, an Amaro made uh, as per their specs, basically. We like it so much that we asked them the permission to use their name to continue selling it, and, and yeah. they, were, they were really happy and honored to do that. Well, one of my family's favorites. <laughs> okay. We'll get to that at the end. <laughs> okay, we'll do that one at the end. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me talk. You know, is there? Uh, you know, with the explosion that we've seen in Alberta and locally here in Calgary of craft breweries, of distilleries, is there uh, a danger of uh, 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 oversaturation in the market? How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's not we're not near the point of saturation. You have to know that the craft distilling. Uh, on the shelf, it only represents a small fraction of the big player. Yeah. And everyone now is so interested in, in, in having it local. Uh, I think it, uh, right now, total sales for AGLC, we represent three, or we meaning the, the craft movement, only represent three to five percent of what's uh, available on the shelves. Yeah. So it's, it's still very, very small in comparison of the whole industry. And I think uh, because everyone's trying to find their own angle, their own niche, yeah. uh, there's room for more players, right? Yeah, we think we're probably still about four to five years behind the uh, craft brewing movement. I mean, the yeah. craft brewing movement is kind of exploded, right? Like there's probably 55 breweries in Calgary. It's, it's quite amazing. Uh, I, I think there's only, what, seven or eight uh, craft distillers in the same, yeah. same geography. Okay, super. Okay, which one next, guys? We'll go with the bourbon. 
Tabor Corn Bourbon. Uh, this is I don't a know what. bourbon made of uh, 60% corn, uh, about 30% uh, barley, and 10% wheat. So it's a weeded bourbon. Okay. Uh, and yeah, what's unique is where the, the corn's coming from, Tabor. Everyone knows the sweet corn of Tabor, and we were uh, fortunate to reach out that and meet with the family uh, growing their corn in the Tabor County, oh, and they're providing us exclusively that corn to, to make that, that bourbon. You know, obviously, you know, for people, uh, these are people in Alberta and Southern Alberta will know all about Tabor corn, but uh, for other viewers who may be watching this from the rest of the country, tell us about why Tabor corn is so good. Yeah, so Tabor corn is typically super sweet. The sweet corn that is in season in August, here in Alberta, it's everywhere. There's lots of stand on the side of the road selling it. Yeah, and it's uh, it became like a, a tradition a tradition in August and September uh, to have it with your meals. So we thought it, it made sense to make a bourbon with it. Okay. We're very proud of this over the corn. I mean, just like in BC, they're proud of their Chilliwack corn, and Ontario, they're very proud of their corn okay. as well. I'm, this I'm is gonna, our Alberta version. I'm going to show people the uh, the label here. Uh, well, you know what? That uh, doesn't work because it uh, turns backwards. Never mind. Yeah, so this one is a bit higher on the alcohol by volume. We're at 45 uh, as opposed to 40, 42 for a traditional bourbon. Okay, let's try it. Nice color. It's been in the cast for uh, about 12 months. And there's lots of notes of caramel, uh, sweet caramel, basically, uh, fresh straws, and, huh. uh, and, and corn, of course, right? Uh, excellent, thanks. Um. I'm going to switch gears and talk a little bit about being entrepreneurs, uh, you know, in this day and age. Uh, now, I, I presume uh, just by your backgrounds, you both worked for, quote unquote, the man, right, uh, uh, in your, your careers. What's it like being your own bosses, your own, uh, being an entrepreneur? Uh, it's amazing. Like, I mean, everything's on you. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, Jacques and I have an amazing relationship. I would never do a business by myself. Would be there with Jacques. It's just uh, there's just too many uh, too many things that are going in, in parallel. Uh, you need to make sure you have a business partner that has uh, you know good attributes that you don't to that kind of thing. Like uh, so, we're actually quite uh, uh, quite good. Where you know one is a little bit uh, uh, you know better at one thing, they take care of that, and the other one is better at the other. Uh, kind of the yin and yang thing yeah exactly exactly it, it, it's uh it's the number one important thing first of all going into business is ensure you have that right partner because it, it truly is a, a marriage uh outside of your marriage right like so, uh, <laughs> so and it's, yeah and it's something i learned from dan dan used to own his own business in, uh, in as an electrical engineer I was operating a large business uh, owned by Americans, uh, but it's something that in my mind, I didn't see the need for a partner, and through our conversation, Daniel and I, I realized that that's the way to go, because there's so many uh, moving parts, and uh, it, it can be overwhelming, but tagging both of us makes sense. So what's the best thing from, from your perspective of being an entrepreneur? What do you like the most about? Just, I mean, putting your stamp on your own 
product, I guess. Like, uh, I mean, I took a lot of pride in engineering as well. Like when I did a design, uh, I did it as though it was my own. Uh, it was my own facility. Now we're doing it. It truly is our own facility. It truly is our own product. Yeah. So just putting our stamp on it, I think, and, and making, I guess, like some sort of impact in, in the in the society. I guess, like. Uh, so, so when you look back, uh, when you started the business, what, was the, what were some of the biggest challenges of, of starting a new business? That's a good question. I think, uh, well, first of all, because we needed to build a space with the right equipment, the initial phases were all uh, designed the whole operation uh, before even having, having done that, right? I mean... We had visited a lot of distillery over the years, whether in Canada, US, Japan, Italy, uh, and so on. And we tried to find out what was working, what was not working, so we would we would learn from uh, the mistakes of others, basically. So uh, yeah, initially the, the uh, basically the steps of designing the space were uh, were important for, for a successful uh, operation later. Yeah, business model. We're, we aren't making gin vodka. Uh, gin vodka are quick to market. Uh, we like gin vodka, but it's not our passion. We're not passionate about it. So everything we do typically is age. It takes time. Yeah, uh, I'm not the most patient guy, but it's, it's teaching you patience for sure. Right? Like we gotta wait three years to to call our uh, our single malt whiskey, single malt whiskey. Uh, it, it just takes a long time. So yeah. so I guess. Uh, that's a huge challenge is trying to ensure that also on the financial side, because we aren't quick to market it with the markets that we can make it through that period. Okay. Now I think I, I know Danny, you're, you're uh, born and raised in Calgary, right? Yeah. Uh, Jacques, you're from uh, where originally? Quebec city. So I, I, I was from so Quebec city being on the St. Lawrence river. So that's where I'm from. Yeah. When did you move to Calgary? Uh, we arrived in Calgary 22 years ago. Okay. Uh, I was working for uh, for a, a software company then. Okay, so so uh, let me ask you guys about uh, being an entrepreneur these days in Calgary. Now we all know Calgary's gone through some really wicked tough times uh, in the last well, really last six seven years. Uh, really, you know. Uh, it all started with the uh, oil price collapse in uh, late 2014, and we really never recovered from that. And then, of course, uh, the, the pandemic has added to the woes uh, uh, of the economy here. Uh, what's it been like uh, starting a business during a recession? Like, basically, because you, you guys really did. Like, it's, you know... You know may, we may have had ups and downs type thing uh, in the last few years, but... You know, since late 2014, Calgary's really been in a recession, right? So what's it been like starting a business during that time? Well, starting a business, we, we kind of already knew we were in that recession time, I guess. Like, I mean, even our, our dollar versus the U.S. dollar was quite different. So even yeah. buying equipment what we were buying in the U.S. had a huge impact in the, you know, the capital uh, spend of the initial investment, right? Uh, it's, it's, I guess, uh, what threw us for a loop was the COVID, uh, it, it's in uh, one year ago, uh, today, uh, when we were getting shut down. And uh, at that time, like John was alluding to, we were, we were pretty much only selling out of our distillery. And uh, when uh, COVID hit, and 
huge impact on us because we worked in many different stores. So uh, we were fortunate enough, like uh, you guys, uh, like a source took us on, for example, Calgary Co-op took us on. Uh, at that time, we uh, started making some hand sanitizer as well for over health services, uh, that kind of thing that helped us get through. And uh, we started an online store and really the community really came together and uh, supported us. Uh, we in turn supported them back. We, we donated a lot of sanitizer, for example, yeah, I think the word agility is key here, right? It's you need to learn and, and it's a cliche, I know when you start a business, like learn to fail fast, right? But we really have to uh, to find out what's working and from week to week or month to month, reassess what's working and what's not quickly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, time to try the last one. And uh, just as a preamble to this, uh, you know, this is a, a Spolumbo's Amaro. And uh, uh, my good friend, Tony Spolatini, one of the owners with Mike Palumbo at Spolumbo's in Calgary, uh, one of the best places to get sausage and uh, <laughs> in the city. Anyways, uh, can you tell me the story, first of all, about how this uh, beauty came about? It happens to be my family favorite as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, Amaro, it's a bittersweet liquor, Italian style. It's in the same family of product that proper liquor from Germany, like uh, Jagermeister, basically. But in Italy, uh, they, they, they take pride of having a distinct flavor profile with it. It's not one flavor, it's many flavors. Uh, we chose to work with, uh, with uh, Spombo and other companies to come up with it based on what they like. So it's really fennel forward, anise forward, uh, there's, there's cinnamon in there. And how we make it, we started with a brandy, uh, similar to what diving is. And we macerate the herbs, roots, and aromatics that, that, that is the, uh, the base of that, uh, of that liquor. Now, the nice red, uh, dark color comes from a couple of components. Yeah. Maybe cranberries is, is in there to give that color. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Let's uh, give it a whirl. Yeah, we're super grateful, obviously, to Spolombos. And uh, what they call the Friday Club, there was uh, five members of the club. They came together, did a distillery tour. And honestly, it was right at the beginning of when we opened the tasting room. And they came and they, uh, they purchased a bunch of bottles from us. And uh, yeah. it was a really good head start for us. They, they helped us. And uh, they're just great people. Okay, guys. So <laughs> I got to ask you kind of a stupid question, but... Uh, <laughs> How do you not uh, uh, finish off work each day coming uh, coming out of the shop stumbling drunk? <laughs> well, you gotta learn to spit. It's really hard for me. Uh, <laughs> there are days when you, you know, like honestly, when we do our uh, spirit runs, is what we call them, when we're collecting the good spirit that we're drinking today. Yeah. Uh, there's only so much instrumentation can do for you. You have to truly taste the product to make sure you're still in the, the good product, right? The good zone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely, uh, spitting is important. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys do? Uh, uh, what do you guys do in your spare time? Like what, uh, interest do you have outside of, uh, making whiskey? 
our, uh, our hobbies up to a couple of years were making whiskey and turned that into our, our work. I mean, I'm, uh, like Dan, I, I like outdoors, I like uh, hiking, I like skiing. Yeah, I love fishing, uh, hunting, uh, it's all a lot of outdoor activities. So are those are the types of things, you know, in this day and age, we all talk about it. Everybody talks about that work-life balance, right? And uh, when you're an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're on 24-7 basically, right? And uh, do you guys feel you have, uh, you know, with the yeah, other? I mean, I, I heard that on my last business, obviously, that doing it 24-7 always is uh, it's not going to work on the long run, that's for sure. Uh, so we've chatted about that many times, but you, need, you, you do need to take the time. Uh, we do have families, we have kids, so that kind of thing, right? It's, yeah. it's very important. Uh, I mean, this is the second marriage, but you are first marriage to be good too, right? Like, so, <laughs> so it's very important too. Yeah, and little things, I mean, we build this facility so uh, we don't have to work 18 hours a day. We, we have efficiency the way we run this, uh, this operation. Yeah. And, and, and on the schedule side, then it's very early. We're here at six thirty, and I'm probably here a lot later, but I'm staying a lot later. So we have a good coverage between Dan and I on, on the whole process. Okay, so everybody knows, you know, I I know you guys quite well, and uh, I visit your your spot uh, often. <laughs> Looking over my shoulder, over on this side, you you see the bottles there. Uh, big fans yeah. of, but you know what I I. Uh, what I sense and get from both of you, like you guys are really enjoying what you're doing, right? Oh, love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a key for people? You know, they always say that, uh, you know, find something that you love doing and that doesn't uh, seem to be like work. That's kind of like a key, cliche term, but you find that with yourselves. Yeah, 100%. Like, like when I did engineering, I loved doing it uh, just over time, you know. 20 years is a while, and, and we wanted to kind of change things, right? Uh, keep, keep life interesting, I guess. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, most of your day is going to be at work. You might as well love what you're doing. Okay, you got a job? Yeah, I'd say life is short. So uh, when you're into your 40s and 50s, it's important to think what you want to do and, and what you want to else do, right? I mean, there's there's things you've been doing all your career, but there's things that it's in the back of your mind as a project for later on. Well, we decided not to wait for later on and do it now. Okay, super. Hey, well, thanks a lot, guys, for joining us today. Thanks for the samples. They were fantastic. As always, I uh, really enjoyed uh, uh, the conversation today with both of you. Thanks so much, Bert. Thank you. Okay, super. That was uh, Calgary's podcast with Mario Tanaguzzi on Canada's Podcast Network. And with us today were Daniel Plenzik and Jacques Tremblay, owners and founders of uh, Bridgeland Distillery in Calgary. Thanks for joining us today.